Section 27 of the Freedman's Book by Lydia Maria Child. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Progress of Emancipation in the British West Indies. Part 2 by L. Maria Child. In the days of slavery, it had always been customary to order out the militia during the Christmas holidays, when the Negroes were in the habit of congregating in large numbers to enjoy the festivities of the season. But the December after emancipation, the governor issued a proclamation that in consequence of the abolition of slavery, there was no further need of taking that precaution, and it is a fact that there have been no soldiers out at Christmas from that day to this. Unfortunately, the British government had been so far influenced by the representations of the planters that the plan of emancipation they adopted was a gradual one. All children under six years old were unconditionally free. The magistrates alone had the power to punish, and no human being could be sold. But the slaves, under the new name of apprentices, were obliged to work for their masters six years longer without wages, except one day and a half in the week, which the law decreed should be their own. The numbers of hours they were to work each day was also stipulated by law, this was certainly a great improvement in their condition, but it was not all they had expected. They were peaceable, and worked more cheerfully than they had done while they were slaves, for now a definite date was fixed when they should own all their time, and they knew that every week brought them nearer to it. Still they felt that entire justice had not been done to them. Sometimes white men asked them if they would work when they were entirely free. They answered, in slavery time we work, now we work better. Then how do you think we work when we free, when we get paid for work? Sometimes people said to them, I suppose you expect to do just as you please when you are your own masters. They replied, We expect to obey the law. In other countries where they is all free, they have the law. We couldn't get along without the law. In slavery time, Master would sometimes slash when we do as well as we could, but the Lord don't do harm to anybody that behaves himself. Prenticeship is bad enough, but we know the law make it so, and for peace sake we will be satisfied. But we murmur and we minds. In the island of Antigua, planters rejected the plan of apprenticeship. They said, If the Negroes must be free, let them be free at once without any more fuss and trouble. The result proved that they judged wisely for their own interest, as well as for the comfort and encouragement of their laborers. When the Negroes found that they were paid for every day's work, they put their whole hearts into it. So zealous were they to earn wages, that they sometimes worked by moonlight, or by the light of fires kindled among the dry cane-stalks. In all respects the change from the old order of things to the new went on more smoothly in Antigua than it did anywhere else. In the islands where apprenticeship was tried, the irritability of the masters made it work worse than it would otherwise have done. All that most of them seemed to care for was to get as much work out of their servants as they could, during the six years that they were to work without wages, and it vexed them that they could not use the lash whenever they pleased they took away various little privileges which they had been accustomed to grant, while during four days and a half of the week the apprentices received no wages to compensate them for the loss of those privileges. 
being deprived of the power to sell the children they refused to supply them with any food in fact they contrived every way to make the colored people think they had better have remained slaves but if they called out work faster you black rascal or i'll flog you the apprentices would sometimes lose patience and answer you can't flog we now that would make the master very angry and he would send the apprentice to a magistrate to be punished for impudence the magistrates were the associates of the planters they ate their good dinners and rode about in their carriages consequently they were more inclined to believe them than they were to believe their servants the laborers became so well aware of this that they were accustomed to say to each other it's of no use for us to apply to the magistrates they are so poisoned by massa's turtle soup it has been computed by missionaries that in the course of two years sixty thousand apprentices received among them all two hundred and fifty thousand lashes besides fifty thousand other legalized punishments such as the treadmill and the chain gang the planters were full of complaints to travellers who visited the west indies if they were asked why don't you emancipate your laborers entirely and give them wages as they do in antigua they have no such troubles there the prejudiced men would shake their heads and answer negroes will not work without being flogged we must get what we can out of them before eighteen forty for when they are their own masters they will rob murder or starve rather than labor planters who manifested a more kind and considerate disposition had pleasanter relations with their servants and they never found any difficulty in procuring as much labor as they wanted some made it easy for their apprentices to buy the remainder of their time and it was soon observed that those who owned all their time worked faster and better than those who were without that stimulus the idea gained ground that unconditional emancipation would be better for both masters and servants the marquis of sligo the humane governor of jamaica set a good example by emancipating all his apprentices people in england began to petition parliament to abolish the apprenticeship on the ground that it proved unsatisfactory and troublesome to all parties the result was that all the apprentices in the british west indies were made entirely free on the first of august eighteen thirty eight mr Philippo, a baptist missionary in jamaica thus describes the observance of the day in that island on the preceding evening the missionary stations throughout the island were crowded with people filling all the places of worship they remained at their devotions till the day of liberty dawned when they saluted it with joyous acclamations then they dispersed through the towns and villages singing god save the queen and rending the air with their shouts freedom's come we're free we're free our wives and children are free during the day the places of worship were crowded to suffocation the scenes presented exceeded all description joyous excitement pervaded the whole island at spanish town the governor sir lionel smith addressed the emancipated people who formed a procession of seven thousand and escorted the children of the schools about two thousand in number to the government house they bore banners and flags with various inscriptions of which the following are samples education religion and social order august first eighteen thirty eight 
the day of our freedom truth and justice have at last prevailed the children sang before the government house and his excellency made a speech characterized by simplicity and kindness which was received with enthusiastic cheers the procession then escorted their pastor to his house in front of the baptist chapel were three triumphal arches decorated with leaves and flowers and surmounted by flags bearing the inscriptions freedom has come slavery is no more the chains are broken africa is free there were many flags bearing the names of their english benefactors clarkson wilberforce sligo thompson etc when these were unfurled the enthusiasm of the multitude rose to the highest pitch for nearly an hour the air rang with exulting shouts in which the shrill voices of two thousand children joined singing we're free we're free several of the kindly disposed planters gave rural fetes to the laborers long tables were spread in the lawns arches of evergreens were festooned with flowers and on the trees floated banners bearing the names of those who had been most conspicuous in bringing about this blessed result songs were sung speeches made prayers offered and a plentiful repast eaten mr Filippo says the conduct of the newly emancipated peasantry would have done credit to christians of the most civilized country in the world they were clean in their persons and neat in their attire their behavior was modest unassuming and decorous in a high degree there was no crowding no vulgar familiarity but all were courteous and obliging to each other as members of one harmonious family there was no dancing gambling or carousing all seemed to have a sense of the obligations they owed to their masters to each other and to the civil authorities the masters who were present at these fates congratulated their former dependents on the boon they had received and hopes were mutually expressed that all past differences and wrongs might be forgiven on some of the estates where these festivals were held the laborers with few individual exceptions went to work as usual on the following day many of them gave their first week of free labor as an offering of good will to their masters thus the period from which many of the planters had apprehended the worst consequences passed away in peace and harmony it is now twenty-seven years since the laborers in the british west indies have been made entirely free and the missionaries the magistrates and even the masters agree that the laborers are much more faithful and industrious under the new system than they were under the iron rule of slavery it is true some of the old planters growled as long as they lived they had always predicted that freedom would bring ruin on all classes and it vexed them to see the negroes behaving so well they however made the most of the fact that there was less sugar made than in former years it was their own fault the emancipated slaves wanted to stay and work on the plantations where they had always lived but the masters could not give up their old habits of meanness and tyranny their laborers could scarcely support life with the very small wages they received and yet they took from them the little patches of provision ground which they had formerly had and charged them enormously high rent for their miserable little huts it seemed as if they wanted to drive them to robbery that they might say 
we told you it would be so if you set them free but the freedmen disappointed them under all discouragements they persisted in behaving well when they found that they could not get a living on the old plantations where they wanted to stay they went to work on railroads and wherever they could find employment they laid up as much as they could of their wages and bought bits of land on which they built comfortable cabins for themselves and laid out little gardens their wives and children raised poultry and tended a cow and carried vegetables and butter and eggs to market in baskets poised on their heads with the money thus earned they bought more land and added to their little stock of furniture though the men received only from eighteen to twenty-four cents a day out of which they boarded themselves they were so industrious and saving that in four years the freedmen in jamaica alone had bought and paid for one hundred thousand acres of land and put up dwellings thereon mr Philippo states that during that time as many as two hundred new villages of freedmen were formed these villages generally received the names of benefactors such as clarkson wilberforce thompson etc to their own little homes they also gave names indicative of their gratitude and contentment they called them save rent a little of my own heart's love liberty and content happy retreat jane's delight thank god to see it etc mr Philippo says these free villages are regularly laid out their houses are small many of them built of stone or wood with shingled roofs green blinds and verandas to shield them from the sun most of them are neatly thatched and generally plastered and whitewashed both outside and in they now have looking-glasses chairs and sideboards decorated with pretty articles of glass and crockery each dwelling has its own little plot of vegetables generally neatly kept and many of them have flower gardens in front glowing with all the bright hues of the tropics the groups often presented are worthy of the painter's pencil or the poet's song amid the stillness of a sabbath evening many families after their return from the house of god may be seen gathered together in the shadow of the trees which overhang their cottages singing hymns or listening to the reading of the scriptures with none to molest or make them afraid mr charles tappan of boston who visited jamaica several years after emancipation writes on landing at kingston i must confess i was half inclined to believe the story so industriously circulated that the emancipated slave is more idle and vicious than any other of god's intelligent creatures but when i rode through the valleys and over the mountains and found everywhere an industrious sober people i concluded all the vagabonds of the island had moved to the seashore to pick up a precarious living by carrying baggage begging etc and such upon inquiry i found to be the fact wherever i went in the rural districts i found contented men and women cultivating sugar-cane and numerous vegetables and fruits on their own account their neat well-furnished cottages compared well with the dwellings of pioneers in our own country i found them in mahogany furniture crockery and glassware and shelves of useful books i saw africans of unmixed blood grinding their own sugar-cane in their own mills and making their own sugar 
i attended a large meeting called to decide the question about inviting a schoolmaster to settle among them there was only one man who doubted the expediency of taking the children from work and sending them to school one said my little learning enabled me to see that a note given to me in payment for a horse was not written according to contract another said i should have been wronged out of forty pounds of coffee i sold in kingston the other day if i hadn't known how to cipher another said i shall not have much property to leave my children but if they have learning they can get property another said those that can read will be more likely to get religion all these people had been slaves or were the children of slaves i saw no intoxicated person in jamaica and when it is considered that every man there can make rum it strikes me as very remarkable one of the most striking characteristics of this colored peasantry is their desire to obtain education for themselves and their children after a hard day's work women would often walk miles with babies in their arms to learn the alphabet with the first money they could spare they build schoolhouses and chapels and hire teachers they also form charitable societies and contribute money to help the aged and sick among them in the days of slavery they herded together like animals but now it is considered disreputable and wrong to live together without being married in the days of slavery they wore ragged and filthy garments but freedom has made them desirous of making a neat appearance their working clothes are generally well mended and clean and they keep a pretty suit to attend meeting and other festival occasions they are very careful of their best clothes when they go to dances or social gatherings they carry them in a basket nicely folded and covered up and put them on when they arrive and when they are about to return home they again pack them up carefully when they have far to walk to meeting over rough and dusty roads they carry their shoes and stockings till they come in sight of the church this is not at all like what the old planters prophesied when they said that if the negroes were freed they would skulk in the woods and steal yams to keep them from starving but all that silly talk has passed away everybody in the british west indies acknowledges that emancipation has proved a blessing both to the white and the black population there is not a planter to be found there who would restore slavery again if his own wish could do it End of Progress of Emancipation in the British West Indies, Part 2 Recording by Rhonda Fetterman